0: Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. So I started thinking, you know, man, we'll never talk about struggles again. That's why, that's why pastors love to get up here and preach about God's promises and God's faithfulness and, and, and God's tomorrow because when you talk about struggles, it seems like, man, like they come, right? And so I started thinking about that and, and, and I realized that that was kind of a, an immature way to look at it. I said, you know what? Could it be that because we spoke about all of these struggles and all of these things, could it be that then we called them all into existence? Or could it be that all of those things were going to happen already this week? And God who knows all things and who loves us so much and who's so gracious prepared us in advance for what was going to happen. Could could that be? Amen. Would anybody be willing to accept that? God is so good. He's so worthy to be praised and he sees the beginning and the end and so he knows and so he prepares us and so I believe that when we preached the message last week called worship anyway we had Tons of examples coming where we were going to be able to practice that. And I pray that through those struggles this past week, you were able to worship anyway. Anybody give me an amen on that? Good, good, amen. I'd like to start with a quote. This is my quote for this week. It comes from E.V. Hill. It's just a book that I'm reading, an incredible pastor back from a couple decades back. He says, the assumption on the part of man is that he knows enough to instruct God. I've heard people say, well, pastor, I prayed, I told God, and he didn't do it. I don't know what's wrong with God. The terrible assumption is that we believe that our prayers are perfect plans And if we could just get God to do what we tell him, the way we tell him, everything would be perfect. If you've ever thought that, go ahead and say amen. If God would just do what we told him to do, everything would be perfect. Right? If he would just make my lotto ticket, be the only winner, and release $126 into my house and into my care, everything would be perfect. I won't ask you to see who prayed that, but if, if, he would just, if he would just make me thinner, or at least make me taller to make me appear thinner, everything would be perfect. If he would just let me have that house that I pass every day that I want so badly, if he would just let me drive that car that I've been dying to drive, everything would be perfect. If he would just erase my credit card debt and give me a fresh start, then everything would be perfect. Anybody prayed that, have it happen, and are back in debt? (laughs) Okay. If he would just heal me, heal my father, heal my mother, heal my my child, heal heal my husband, heal my wife, everything would be perfect. If he would just not have taken my father or my mother or my kid or my husband or my wife, then everything would be perfect. If he would just erase my past and just give me a fresh start, everything would be perfect. If he would just have not let that happen to me, if he would just have not have made me go through that, if he would just not have allowed that neglect, that abuse or that pain, then everything would be perfect. Well if you're just coming in new this week the end of last week we started in the book of Job with a message titled Worship Anyway. And this message is the conclusion or the next part of that. Worship anyway two Everything will be perfect. See the word of God says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And, and so I know that one day we're gonna have all the answers to all the questions that we have. One day we're gonna have we're gonna understand everything that we couldn't understand here. One day half of the questions that we have for God are not even gonna matter. One day we're going to know what it's like to be in the presence of God, in the fullness of God. One day there's going to be, we're going to be in a place. Did you know the heaven says that, that the word says that in heaven there's no sun and moon, there's no artificial light? Because God is the light. And so one day we're just going to be in the light of God. Did did you ever, like, think about that? No artificial light. Everything will be in the light of God. And that means there will be absolutely no darkness, no pain, no sin, no abuse, no hurt, no tears, no deception, nothing on the outside or on the inside. Everything will shine with the light of Christ. But sometimes the thought of heaven and that, that, that thought is just not enough right to get us through the struggle sometimes that's not enough you know just thinking about even knowing that one day things will change is hardly enough to fuel us to get through the things that we got to get through sometimes struggling with loss with anxiety with sickness with the enemy with our own sinfulness with our own needs and wants and desires so last week we started chapter 1 in the book of Job and we heard about how Job was a righteous man and he was one of the richest men in all of the, the world at that time. And, and he had everything a man could want. He had businesses, he had riches and, and people working for him. He had family and he loved them and, the, and there was a close family. And along comes the enemy to do what he does to steal, kill and destroy John 10.10, 10, the word says the thief comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. And the enemy is a perfect example of, of what happens when we don't want to struggle. Amen. Tell them we're busy. <laughs> the enemy is the perfect example not learning, uh, of not learning how to give God glory when we're going through hard times. He's a perfect example of of not giving God glory when things are hard, when we don't understand things, when we're feeling certain things. He's the perfect example of not wanting to worship anyway and worship through a struggle. Amen? And so the, the thing is, no matter what we're going through, no matter what's happening to us, we need to worship God anyway because He deserves it. And I love that verse because in the same verse 1010, 10, not in the next verse, not a couple of verses down, but in the same verse, John 10 10, it says, Jesus says, I came. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Amen. The, the Amplify says, to the full till it overflows. So Jesus wants us to enjoy life in abundance until it overflows. But we could argue because I don't see many Christians living that abundant life. Right? Anybody? That's probably because we're looking at it wrong. And I've been having so many conversations about this with people. Because, listen, I don't claim to know everything. Is that all right for me to tell you? I don't claim to know everything that the Word says. I don't claim to have complete knowledge of the entire Word of God. You know, it's funny sometimes that you come to me after church, and 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 you guys will tell me, "Hey, you know, uh, who's this guy's husband who did this, and and when he did this, where's that in the Bible?" Like I'm like a computer or something. <laughs> oh, uh, Matthew six eleven thirteen b. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. I wish I did, but I don't know the word like that. Is is that all right? I'm 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 a student of the word, just like you should be. Amen. So. It, it, you know, could it be that what, what, what's probably, you know, wrong with that is that we're looking at it all wrong. And I've heard so many people preach on that. And, and we, we say, God came that we might have life and have it abundantly till it overflows. And so what does that mean? Ching, right? It's all about money. And so that we can have an abundant life and abundance we associate with money. It's all about the dollar. Right? And, and, but, you know, could it be? if, if either, you know, either, either God's a liar or maybe that doesn't have to do with everything about money now I know that a lot of us are here because we believe God's not a liar we believe in his promise and so, so I wanted to kind of explore that a little bit and I submit to you this my personal reflection could it be maybe if, if we have people around us who love us for no good reason and with nothing to gain could that be life could could it be could it be that that abundant life that you know when could it be that if we're able to love on people for no good reason and with nothing to gain could that be abundant life you know i look at i i i started reflecting on this and i thought about my wife and i said man i i have an incredible wife I have a great wife who loves me in every way, who, 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 who cherishes me, who treats me like I'm worth something, who, who reminds me of, of the good that God has in me. And I said, man, is that abundant life? Could that be abundant life? I look at my kids and I said, man, I got incredible kids. Incredible. I have two beautiful, incredible daughters who, who do nothing but bring me joy and make me laugh and bring me no heartache and no pain. Could that be abundant life? Because I'm willing, I'll tell you in front of everyone here, I wouldn't trade that for any amount of money in the world. In the world. Because you can't buy that kind of abundance. I've seen people try, right? You can't buy. you, you with, with Trump's credit card, I can't buy. Because Trump can't even do it, right? He married twice. <laughs> Look at all the, oh, three? Sorry, three. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Sorry, Donald. But you can't buy that. You know what I'm saying? So we can't associate abundance with money. God wants us to have life and have it abundantly. But, but, so, so does that mean sometimes I might struggle financially? I guess so. On this side of heaven, yes. Because the word says my treasures are stored up in heaven. Amen. I see that on a lot of Christian bumper car, you know, bumper stickers, on jalopies. You know. <laughs> Don't laugh, my treasures are stored in heaven. <laughs> I wish I could like have a Lexus and throw that on my Lexus. You know? Or I've seen another one that says, My other car is a piece of junk too. That's probably more more like it. But I'm, I'm sorry that that doesn't sound like a lotto ticket, but I know that many people have, you know, read about the millions and the abundant life. I know, I know a lot of people that have millions and don't have abundant life. And just read the paper, just watch the, uh, I just heard this morning, we were watching the news, where's Stephanie? We were watching the news this morning, it was on in the background, and, and one of the big rappers today, who has millions, just got arrested because he bought a bunch of machine guns from an undercover cop, I think. T.I. Just got arrested because he bought a bunch of, you guys know, y'all shouldn't know. (laughs) What you doing listening to that? The guy's buying machine guns. What's wrong with you? Why does a man with so much money need automatic weapons? Why? 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 Because, he see, he doesn't have abundance. I'm sure his cars are better than mine. I'm sure that his house is bigger. And I'm sure he has. But he's locked up because he bought machine guns. And I'm free speaking at our church. Hallelujah. Amen. And... You know that that abundant life is is it's crazy because sometimes you know I, I'm getting in my car and it don't start or I got a flat tire and it never fails. There's somebody across the street with a Mercedes SUV who who remote starts it from across the street and and he's 19 years old and he's talking on his iPhone and he's talking and he has the the new Sidekick on on his on his belt also and he has 180 dollar sneakers and he's walking to his car that he remote started that he opened the trunk by itself with the button and he put his stuff in and he sits and he drives off and I always have the same reaction drug dealer (laughs) now not everybody not every young person that drives is a drug dealer but that makes me feel a little more comfortable amen but Paul says listen Paul said I've learned to live with a lot and I've learned to live with nothing And I found myself content in both. I've learned how to be content with both. Amen? Worship anyway. Paul worshipped when he was leading and building churches and raising leaders. And, and, you know, when he had all these followers and he was imparting on. And then when those same actions got him locked up and in prison and left for dead, he worshipped anyway. So he lived it. He worshipped anyway. When he was shackled to to soldiers all night so he wouldn't escape and and his worship would convert them, he worshipped anyway. Amen? When when he was locked up in prison and worshipped so hard, I mean, I think that must have been a rock type of worship like ours that that day, he worshipped so hard the jail shook and he got out. Amen? He worshipped anyway. All right, back to Job. So Job is doing great and and we gather from the text that the enemy has set up camp around him and after he realizes that he can't touch him, he goes up to God and accuses him. Something important to note there. Do, Do you realize, have you ever had the revelation that Satan, your enemy, can't touch you unless he gets permission from God? Have you ever had that revelation? Satan can't touch you unless he has permission for God. from God. The problem is that sometimes we allow him to. Right? He can't do it unless he's got permission, but sometimes we say, welcome. You've got come come right in. Right? By allowing compromise in our lives, by, by holding on to hidden sin, we allow him and we give him full access so that he doesn't need to ask God for permission because we say, here I am, take me. Somebody got to recognize, amen? So he's looking at Job and and, and he finds that he can't touch Job because Job just won't, you know, God has set these parameters and these blessings around Job and Job just won't step out like some of us do, right? Some of us think when, when nobody's watching, we step out of God's parameters and God's security and it doesn't matter what we do on the computer over here. Or it doesn't matter what we do in a relationship at work or whatever. Because once we step back into the house, then we're under God's covering and God's safety. But, but understand that when you're out here, there's like 80 red dots on you. There's sniper scopes of the enemy all over you. And, and you, you're a marked person. You're free. You're wide open. You've left God's protection. And God has been so gracious to us because so many of us live outside and we're still here. Amen? It's just grace. It's nothing else. Tell somebody, I don't deserve it. Neither do I. Amen. So Satan accuses Job of hypocrisy. Satan tells God, he says, Job only worships you because you bless him. Stop the blessings and he'll stop the worship. And one commentary I read says, Job would stop depositing his coins of worship if nothing kept coming out of the machine. Isn't that cool? Ask yourselves, will you serve the Lord even if there was no personal gain in it on this earth? That's a tough question, isn't it? Even if you already have all the blessings that we have. Because, I mean, look at you. Most of you walked in here. Most of you came up that treacherous staircase, right? Most of you leave every day from that and make it out of that treacherous staircase alive. Hallelujah. There's been one or two incidents, Sorry. We love you. The new place is ground level. Hallelujah. Yeah. All right. So can't we worship the Lord anyway, even if there was no more blessings from this day forward? Haven't you had enough? Isn't it sad how we just complain and bicker and, 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 and worry when God gives us so much? So, see, Satan was misrepresenting Job is what was going on to God. And then even with the attacks, the way Satan chose to, to destroy Job, he used um, tornadoes and lightning and wind so that he was misrepresenting God to Job. So that Job would think, this is God. God is after me. God hates me. And so that he would curse God because that was, that was his, his, uh, his goal was to get him to curse God. So, you know, Satan was misrepresenting Job to God. He said he only worships you because you bless him. And then he was misrepresenting God to Job, making him think that God is against you. You should curse him. True to his name is the father of lies and the accuser of the brethren. Satan was saying the only way you can get people to worship you is by blessing is by blessing them. And so God uses Job to silence Satan. And to deepen his spiritual insight he says I'll shut your mouth about this man and I'll bring him even closer to me understand church understand family Satan's only desire is always to get you to curse God in everything you do it's not apparent, it's not blatant sometimes but his whole scheme is to get you to curse God and God's entire desire is always to bring you closer and to make you more like him amen god says i don't have plans to harm you or to destroy you i have plans to prosper you amen so so job's first response we read last week to losing everything that he had was he got on his knees and he worshiped god so god so He followed adversity with adoration. That's heavy. We struggle, we fall, we wrestle with unanswered prayers and unmet expectations. But church, can we love God and stay true even through the struggle? Because the struggle will come, amen? So Job did it, and, and it happens again. Satan goes once again before God, and, and he attacks Job's character even further. And he says, listen, skin for skin, um, the enemy says, anyone will give up everything they had to save themselves. So he's saying, listen, Job will gladly give up his kids and his wife and his money to save his life, but touch his touch his health, touch him, and he'll curse you right to your face, he tells God. And so God allows it, and and. I know we could argue with that verse all along. Why? Why? I don't know. That's one of the questions we'll have to get when we get to heaven. Amen? When we get there, it probably won't matter, but hold on to it. Jot it down. Take it with you In, on a notepad. So Job did it again, and, and, and God allows it. And so he says, he, God just told him he just can't kill him. And immediately he left God, and he attacked Job with festering boils all over his body from head to toe. Now, how many of you had any or two, a pimple? You know the pain? You know, like when you get a pimple that don't really come out and it's just this sore, and I am speaking to the teenagers, right? Before proactive, right? There, there's, there's the pain of, but, but we're talking festering boils. Can it be a little more disgusting sounding? Yeah, thank you. You don't even know what those are when you really, what he had, I'm saying, what he had. These boils just festering, just popping, just oozing, you know what I'm saying? The man, it it, it says that he was repulsive, that he smelled. Can you imagine how disgusting this must have been? And what's Job's response? I love this. He sat among the ashes and he scraped himself with a piece of broken pottery. He, he wouldn't go home and lie down in his bed. He wouldn't. He, he just sat in the ashes. He just humbled himself and sat in the ashes and scraped himself. You imagine just you, the itch is so bad. I know some of you like itching now. Yeah. You imagine just there's just a tremendous itch all over you so bad that you would scrape it with a broken piece of glass. And I, I read commentary after commentary. I was looking for something on that. And man, <coughs> nobody talked about that broken pottery. And I said, isn't it obvious the symbolism in that broken pottery? It's a picture of his condition, isn't it? You know, we're clay in the master's hands and he shapes us and forms us. But sometimes because of our own disobedience, because of our own makeup, because of our own, the, the, when, when a potter makes something, it doesn't come out the way he wants it. He smashes it. It needs to be smashed and broken and it needs to be ground back into the dust and powder that it was before it was attempted to to make something beautiful out of it, right? So here he is with that broken pottery that he used for scratching. It It was a picture of his condition. He was broken. He had nothing. He was rendered as useless as a broken piece of pottery that he found on the floor. But just like that piece... In the master's hands, he could be something again. Amen? Anybody feel like that broken piece? You know, understand that when, when we, we look at things as broken, but, but God looks at things as like, now I can work with this. My wife and I, we watch HGTV all the time, right? And she loves the kitchens and, and, and some of those kitchens, they have these beautiful tile mosaics. Right? And they're incredible. They look so beautiful. But if you look into it, it's broken tile. When you see those mosaics that are gorgeous, it's a broken tile. So God could take something broken and make something beautiful out of it. Say amen. Amen. Listen, you could feel today like the struggle is breaking you down. Like it is smashing you up. Worship anyway, because God is making something beautiful in you and me he's doing something beautiful here with every struggle the enemy could be trying to get you to curse god to turn your back on god and with that same struggle god could be drawing you closer and making you more like him and it's just a matter of who we're going to respond to he'll use anything he can and here satan uses again the same instrument that he used against adam his wife now don't nudge your wife and don't say see just, just listen. He uses the same instrument that he used to, to, to throw down Adam, was, was his wife. And he speaks through his wife, and, and I, I thank God that Job was no Adam. See, Job represents a new Adam, an Adam that stands up. And, and instead of when Eve, you know, naked with the forbidden fruit, just said, here, Adam, take it, it's good. And Adam said, okay. And just threw away all of our lives right there. Just threw away all of our goodness, all of our purity, all of, all of God's blessings. Just threw it away. Now we got to struggle. Adam, I mean, Job was no Adam when, when, when she tells him, listen, just curse God and die. His wife. His wife comes to him and he says, are you still going to hold on to your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? Can you imagine, husbands, you are at your last end. You are just depressed. You're broken. You lost your job. Your car won't start. The, the repo guy took the other car. Your, your children left home. You, you got nothing. You're just broken. And your wife says, look at you, stupid. Why don't you just curse God and die? Would that be like the last draw for some of us? Right? I know for me, I, I think I just walk off the roof and just... <laughs> but Adam, but Job says in verse 2 and 10, he, he doesn't say, okay, whatever you're saying, curse God and die. Job says, you are talking like a foolish woman. Amen? I don't know how to, like, be excited about this without encouraging men to speak wrongly to their wives. So I'm trying to be real delicate here. You need to be sensitive to God. But when the wrong thing comes up, you need to stand and stand firm. Is that, is that safe to say? And, and the other way around, too. Good? So he says, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all of this, it says Job did not sin in what he said. So even as he was sitting there in ashes, looking like death, practically dying and in unimaginable pain, still in his mind, with all of that still in his mind, for no good reason, Job chooses not to curse God and die. He chooses to bless God and live. How many of us will make that choice today? we choose to, I'm going to bless God and live. No matter what happens, I'm going to bless God and live. Amen? in my pain I'm gonna worship anyway in my anger I'm not gonna sin I'm gonna worship anyway in my hurt, in my despair I'm gonna worship anyway cuz I know there's nowhere else I can go if this is you would you stand today I'm in, in riches and in poverty I'm gonna worship anyway for better or for worse I'm gonna worship anyway in sickness and in health I'm gonna worship anyway in the good times and in the bad times I'm gonna worship anyway because God is worthy to be praised give him glory give him glory job made the devil a liar but it doesn't end there I don't have time today to get into the whole rest of the story but I don't want you to think that it ends there I don't want to leave you with this sad little man covered in pimples and depressed God doesn't end things like that. Amen. There's 40 more chapters after that. And, and in those chapters, Job has three friends. And these three friends come to meet with him and to grieve with him and mourn with him. And when they see him, he, he is so disfigured that they don't recognize him. And it says that his three friends come and they sit with him for seven days without saying a word. And, and the book of Job is unbelievable. It's a masterpiece. It's said to be one of the oldest books ever written. And there's this theme of seven and three. So I know Diana loves this book. It's a theme throughout the whole book. There were seven sons and three daughters. There were 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels. There were three friends who sit for seven days. It's, it's, it's poetry, this book. It's believed to be the oldest book. And, and think about this. Out of the 66 books of the Bible, Job is the one book that, that, that's focused largely devoted to human suffering. What is God trying to say with that? There's one book out of the 66 that God talks about human suffering. What is God trying to say with that? The book In the book of Job, Job asks God, Why? 16 times. God answers Job with 75 questions of his own. <laughs> it, it, if you read the book of Job, and I encourage you to read it, it, he, you know, Job asks him, and sometimes Job starts getting out of his face. You know? It, and so I think the book of Job is showing us that it's okay to ask God why. It's okay to question. It's okay to, to seek God for answers. Just don't come out your face. Recognize who God is and who you are. And so God... Puts him in his place so gently by, by saying, you know, Job is saying, why, why, why? And God says, okay, little man, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? And so Job was like, <laughs> and, and where were you when I put the stars in the sky? And where were you when I created land and when I created light? And where were you when I made the bodies of water and I told them where to stop? and Job just, just started getting humbled 75 questions God replies back to Job where were you when I did this and when I did this and surely you knew and and he it's a whole account of the creation of God it's a beautiful poem that that God replies to to, to uh to Job and it, it shows us there's so much in there Job's Job's three friends, they were legalistic idiots that, that, you know, religious idiots that just came. And after the seven days of silence, Job is the first to speak. And then they jump in one after another about, you're so sinful, that's why you're, you're, you're dirty. And everything was about how his, his sin is what has him in this condition. But they, they, they were clueless. Were, that wasn't the case. And, and God so incredibly reversed it that in the end, God rebukes them and tells them, the only way that I'm not going to slap you down is if you get Job to pray for you, and I'll hear his prayers. So Job vindic- God vindicated Job and saying if he prays for you, I'll hear his prayers. And, and look what happens in... In Job forty two ten, Job interceded for his friends and God restored his fortune. Does it end there? No. It says, and then doubled it. How many of you are looking for a double portion? of what the enemy has stolen from you would you just close your eyes and just and just pray right now would you just close your eyes and just and just thank God that there's a double portion God restored his fortune and doubled it and in 12 it says God blessed Job's later life even more than his earlier life he ended up with 14,000 sheep 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven more sons and three more daughters. And it says after this, this is how it ends. After this, Job lived a hundred and forty years and he saw his sons, 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 even to the fourth generation. And the last verse of the, of the book, it says, and so Job died an old man full of days. Whatever it is you're struggling with today, worship anyway. And let's believe that our later life will be even greater than our earlier. I really believe God is looking to double what the enemy has stolen from you. Because God is not a liar, the enemy is a liar, amen? So can we just close out today kind of just worshiping like we know that God is not only restoring our fortune or that little bit maybe that we lost and that we think is a fortune, but God is about to double it. We see it. it, it, It's just a picture even in the new building. The the new building, the sanctuary, is almost double that way, the size of this sanctuary. God, it's it's a picture that God is doing. It's a beautiful... God. I always say God uses anything he, He wants to as an illustration, and I believe He's using us he's using our building he's using our people he's using us as as family to to just illustrate his goodness his mercy and his grace father right now Lord God I just thank you I thank you Lord for this family I thank you for this place Lord God I thank you for the blessings that you've given us here, for the blessings that you've released in our life here. And Lord God, as weird as this may sound, God, I thank you for the struggles, Lord God. Because in those struggles, you're making me more like you. And in the end, I know that it will be perfect. Help us today, Lord, touch us today. Help us come through the struggles. Help us to struggle well. Help us to bless. Help us to recognize abundance in our lives. Help us to recognize and to live that true life, Lord God. And Jesus will give you all of the glory and all of the honor. Come on, let's worship like he's worth it. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. You are my righteousness. You are my rock.